Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Yeah, it's eight minutes after 10 o'clock. It's the Tuesday edition of the show. And it's the final Tuesday edition of the show. So Brian Hirsch is spending the whole hour with us answering some of the questions he got from you throughout the month. Um, big questions that he wants you to answer. Um, that he that you've wanted him to answer that he's here to answer some 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 cases for instance that he's that he's tried to work on um and 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 get resolution on but of course we still got to be taking your calls in the segment so give us a call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two that's the number zero eight six triple zero two zero three two uh, and let me know what is on your mind as far as questions you want to share with Brian and perhaps he's answering one of your questions and you can just sort of um you know, be a part of the conversation and get into a feedback loop over there if you recognize a question that you may have submitted or a similar question. You can then give us a call. Zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Brian, good morning. Good morning to you. Can you believe January is over? <laughs> yeah, it is over, right? What's yeah. today's date? Today is the 31st. We've already done 8.5% of this year, 91.5% to go. Um, yeah, that's 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 crazy. Today's the last day of Jan, you say. Yeah. Um, start of February tomorrow. Yeah, 300 31 days to Christmas, shopping days left to Christmas. <laughs> uh, before we start, I'll tell you my big question. Uh, and it's such a generic one. Um, I've been spending the last couple of weeks um, sort of house hunting because um, I'd like to buy a house and I, I need a little bit more space. But man, I have no idea where to even begin planning for it. You're looking at sort of the deposit requirements, the transfer fees, and the trans. And you don't know if I'm being if I'm being ripped off or anything like that, right? Um, and completely also deterred by the rising interest rate. And you know, um, at this point, uh, a year ago, I would have wanted to buy a house at prime, and now I'm hoping to negotiate for prime minus one type of situation. Are there just like basic rule of thumbs? Uh, I know we spoke about preparing for financial change a few weeks ago uh, when we started the year and how you uh, you sort of planned for that and you know and when when we spoke about the life file um, but is there a basic financial instruments that that I should think of as I continue uh, house hunting speaking to uh, potential uh, you know agents and speaking to banks as well well the first part of finding a home is I think this is a fantastic time to be looking uh, the property market has never been lower. It's really in its doldrums. And it's even going to get worse because interest rates have risen. I mean, prime now at 10.75%. You're hoping to get prime minus one, which means 97 And a lot of people mm. are going to have to be paying 10.75 plus. So great time. So the starting point is to say, how much deposit am I going to put down? And how much can I afford on a bond, because you're going to take a 20-year bond, something like yeah. that. So what are my costs of, of in terms of that cost? Bearing in mind that when you buy a property compared to renting a property, you've got other costs as well. You've got rates and taxes, you've got yes. electricity, and you've got water. Then you want to say, what can I afford in terms of bond? Then you can shop around to get a bond, and often it's not a bad idea to talk to your bankers to see what you what you qualify in terms of under the National Credit Act. They're only allowed to give you a bond based on your earnings and based on the affordability. They've got to, you've got to satisfy the lender of this money that you can afford and you've got enough income to pay for the bond. Mm. Once you have those numbers in place, then you can decide where am I going to buy. 
And remember, position, position, position is what generally determines a property. Where do you want to buy? Which area do you want to buy? Do you want to be north, south, east, or west of 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 of, well, of Johannesburg or Gauteng? Mm, mm, mm. And then there's certain areas that will uh, will demand a slightly higher premium because the prices yeah. demand. So that's where you that's the starting point. And then there's so much available, Olaf, I think this is a great time to buy. So it's getting your finance in order. Do I think interest rates are likely to rise? You know, we're going to get figures out of America on Thursday. American have made it very clear, the Federal Reserve, that interest rates are still going to continue rising. They're around about 4.45% in America at the moment. They look like they're going to rise by another half to three quarters of a percent over the rest of this year, which means our, our rates are also going to rise. Look, I'm on that tide of the table where economics 101 doesn't work with me. I do not believe that inflation is demand inflation in South Africa. I believe inflation is pushed on us, and I do not believe that we should have pushed up interest rates because we are putting more and more pressure on working South Africans who are already struggling. And what about those who are mm. not working and are being supported by those that are working? And that's evidenced, and we've got a question on that, about what's happening, can you borrow in your pension fund? This is all evidence to show yeah. how South Africans are struggling. And so, Sh- should, should I then wait a year to see if the interest rates drop and that changes no, my affordability no, index? No, definitely don't wait. This is a good time to negotiate. And if you're not selling, buying a home with an offer that I have to sell a previous home, I'm buying straight. It's a cash offer because if you've got a bond organized, it's equivalent to cash offer. Yeah. Does, the, the seller is going to get cash. doesn't matter if the seller gets cash from you or you or get the a bank, bond. Yeah. So get that in place first and then go and look. And you can make ridiculous offers because you never know why someone is really selling. They may tell you they want to upgrade, they want to move, they want to do all these things. But you never know their financial situation mm. and how difficult it is for them. So, the, the, um, so I currently live about 10 minutes away from work. We here. Uh, the area I'm looking in is also about 10 minutes away from me. I won't mention the name of the area, but uh, a lot of sales are happening. A lot of sales are happening. A lot of sales and a lot on the market? A lot on the market. Let me say that. A lot on the market. Yeah. Uh, a lot of for, uh, for sale signs as yeah. you drive there you, on the Saturday know, viewings that, happening. Because a property has been sold, it doesn't mean it's been sold. Uh, because you've still got to get your finance into place. And finance is about providing the financier with information that you can afford in terms of the National sure. Credit Act. Not like the old days where you could just go and get credit. Now, if anyone gives you credit and you're not worthy of that credit, they have a problem collecting from you if you go into arrears. So I think these are great times to, to be making offers. So how, how far down would you negotiate in this climate? Well, you know, <laughs> it, it's your money. <laughs> it's your money you know you know you can make sometimes you can make ridiculous offers because remember whoever mentions a price first in any negotiation is the loser because if you go into a property and you make an offer just of a million and a half that's your you've now given your lowest price sure if a seller says I want two million. They've given their top price that they're prepared to accept, and between there, you're going to negotiate. So you can always go in a little bit less. You can always go up. There's no problem. The agent will take your offer up. Agents are keen to sell the property. They not, yeah. inter- you know, if they sell a property for one and a half or one point six million, they don't make much more commission on that extra hundred thousand. They just want to get the property sold. Yeah, and yeah. and and often the buyers are in demand. So I think you're in a very strong situation. Get your finances in place. Understand that you may be. 
buying in an area where particularly where position comes in, where you may be buying a home that you may want to do some alterations to, have a look also get an indication of what those alterations may be. Right. We don't always right. How do you do that? You've got to call in a builder or you've got to call in a consultant to find out to what do a viewing with you before well, if I want to do my bathrooms and I need to put some cupboards in here and a, and a repaint and all these things. You need to know because remember, that's not going to be added to your bond. That's going to be cash yeah. coming out of the my initial pocket, yeah. deposit out of your pocket and the bond. And you, But you can always, you know, the, the banks, on, if you're one of those individuals who can afford a bond, afford a higher bond, your bank will always give you a little bit more. I mean, banks are in the business of lending, but they mm. want to be satisfied mm. that they're lending to the right person. And the, and the stronger you are, the stronger as a lender you are, the more you can negotiate below prime. And then right. you look how, do you, how do you determine that strength? Well, if your balance sheet, your own personal balance sheet, if it satisfies the price you're paying, the bond you're taking, you've got sufficient income to fund the bond, the, the bank doesn't have to worry about you, about a suspect uh, a lender, and that you can be able to repay, then you can start to negotiate with different, you don't have to negotiate oh, okay. with, with different, and I say can this you put to them everyone, against each other? go to the banks and negotiate the best rate you can get, and, even, and build in a little bit of a buffer, build in another, ask the bank, if the interest rates go another half or one percent how much more will i pay so that you prepared for that and i can tell you that in two years time interest rates will be down so there's a question i think i think i've got a question here yeah. people ask me should i fix my bond well i'll deal with that question now i don't think this is the time to fix your bond i think you've already seen rates rise and i think that in the next 12 to 24 months rates will start to come down they need to come down globally they need to come down in south africa yeah because that first question is a very interesting one for me that i want us to respond to um i'm in my 30s between the company and myself i contribute 15 percent to our pension is that sufficient okay now that's a question firstly when you contribute to a pension company employer and employee contributes for you and if you think they're contributing 15%, 7.5%, 7.5% each, you may be incorrect. Because out of the employer's contribution, offers, often there are expenses that come out of their 15%. Such the, as? The first is running the fund. That could be anything between half to 1%. The second is group life. If you've got a multiple of salary that you've got if you should die in service, if there's disability or any other benefits. So you may find that you contribute seven and a half, but the employer to the pension, in other words, the retirement fund is only contributing four, four and a half percent. So when you ask me how much should you contribute, let me take the, let me take it a step further. Why don't people have enough money at retirement? Because they make four cardinal mistakes. They start too late. They don't contribute sufficiently. They don't take on the right investment strategy. They're sometimes far too conservative. A 30-year-old mustn't be conservative. They are subject to what we call Regulation 28, which allows how much you can invest, mm. but you want to be as growth-orientated as a younger person as much as you can. And then the fourth reason is they don't escalate their pension sufficiently. And then an additional area, if people live, if you've got another job, or you're getting, a, you're getting a bonus, and that's part of when you do your budget, you build that in to how much it costs you a year, and you're not, and maybe your pension fund is not, does not, you do not contribute based on your bonus, then what you should be doing, any extra income you've got that's not pensionable, that you're not paying to pension, you need to make, take your own retirement annuity and start contributing. So if you get a, a, a pension, a, a bonus of 30,000 Rand in a year, if you contribute 50, 
15% of that to that to a retirement annuity, it'll come off your taxable income and you'll be saving additional amount. In the 30s, if you're saving 15% to retirement fund, you're doing enough. In the 40s, you've got to be saving over 25%. Jeez. And Oliver, in the 50s, you can't save enough to have an, a, a big enough fund because you miss out on... on so, on, to, yeah, two questions I then have. One is a normative esoteric question and the other is a more practical one. The, the esoteric question is this. Should we, just from a human being perspective, relook the idea and concept of retirement age altogether? Um, and I know a lot of people who retired from uh, formal employment at the age of 65, but are enterprising in some way or the other past 65, well into their 70s, may not be making as much money as they did in their formal employment years, uh, but are making enough to keep to, to, to keep by and still have sufficient savings. Should you then perhaps not keep that in mind and say, look, I don't think I'll retire at 65, and so my timeline is extended by another 10 years? Only because retirement is not the golden years. We're seeing people struggling. I mean, I don't know if you know this whole thing in France at the moment. They tried to extend retirement date from 62 to 64. So they've got retirement of 62. But I think people do need to do the calculations. I don't think 90% of South Africans will have enough to retire. So to what so, age should you calculate to 65? Well, you, you, often you can't, you know, often in, in companies retire you because of succession planning and they've got new staff coming mm. in. And more and more people, particularly the universities today, Come to reach retirement and some of the hospitals, goodbye, you're out of here. So I think you've got to do make your plans a long time before yeah. because 62, 65 today is not old. I mean, it's you know, we would say that 60, 65 today is like 45 t- t- uh, today as <clears throat> compared to 65 years gone by. People are fitter, people are healthier, yes. people are doing more. So you've got to be thinking into re- not the day you retire, but before retirement, how can I continue earning a living? And th- the beauty of that is the longer you don't have to touch your Pension, the, more, the more it will grow. Yeah. Let's just a quick, quick, quick break. I have a few more questions on that. Give us a call. We're taking a quick break. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. So, Brian, you answered um, what expenses comes out of your, uh, retirement, con- uh, your uh, retirement contribution, your pension contribution. And you, what do you do with extra cash, such as uh, bonuses? Yes, if know. any other money you're earning now, is it, are you contributing anything to a pension fund? Because yeah. normally your company pension fund will not include your bonus. It will purely include your salary because, remember, bonus is not a guarantee. Yes, well, yes. There's yes. no guarantee. So what should you do in that instance? If you get a bonus and it's not pensionable, buy your own retirement annuity. Put away 15% of that bonus okay. to okay. retirement, and you'll get the tax deduction. So it won't be costing you 15%. Depending on your tax rate, it could end up costing you 8, 7, or 8% only. Uh, right, to right. Put 15% away. Keep doing that. And then the most important thing is review this every year. You need to increase by the rate of inflation. You can't just say, I'm contributing and my salary has gone up 6%. Uh, mm-hmm. Over and above your salary increases, you've got to add, add, be adding all the time to your retirement fund. Mm. Because remember, this is lo- when we talk about retirement, we talk about long term. We're not talking about short to medium term. What happens in the instance of job loss? 
Well, that's a, a major problem because one of the major problems that people don't have enough money to retire is when they lose their job, they have to take their pension fund. And I understand the, I understand the dynamics. People haven't got a job. People can't have money sitting in a pension fund and they can't use it. So people do what's called, they withdraw from their pension fund, pay the tax, and now they've lost years of service, right. which won't be made up. If you are able, if you do lose your job and you have got funds set aside while you're looking for another job, and I know again while you're looking for a job and can you find another job you may need to preserve it so you don't automatically have to withdraw from your funds you can preserve it in a preserver which is neutral in, so you move it out of your company's funds into a preservation yeah. fund with an insurance company then you can still withdraw it so you don't have to take that drastic action straight away because you're scared of not not finding another job what's so, the what's the more efficient option do i while in employment make a pension contribution but also pay some sort of income insurance um should i lose my job the insurance will cover me for three to six months or whatever the case may be while i look for another job uh, and in that instance do i continue paying uh, making contributions to my pension fund off of the insured income uh, or do i just take from pot number two no, look, you, look, all the covers are important. The life cover, disability, dreaded disease. And I know there are some policies that insure for loss of job. I think those are, everyone's got a cost. You need to look at those costs. But all I'm saying is, if you're working and you've got those benefits, at least you know you've got that cover. Uh, but when you when it comes to in and you have been retrenched or you've lost your job for some other reason, the company's closed down, all I can say is don't take the money out of the pension because you pay ludicrous amounts of tax preserve it just for a month or two and three until you see where you are and then you still got an option to take that money out obviously on taking money out prior to retirement you, you taxed on the withdrawal tables and it's quite onerous uh, mm. uh, you only get 25,000 rand free of tax the next Three, 625 or 30,000 is 18% and then you start paying 27 In the ideal, how much savings, liquid savings should you have? Well, you should definitely have five to six months uh, emergency funds so that you've got enough money to see you through and that means you don't need to do anything drastic when you, when, if you lose your job because if you lose your job, the chances are you've got some retrenchment benefit right. and those are So always have an emergency fund. You never know. I, I would say six months is a good benchmark to have money sitting in a money market account or by the way Oliver it can be sitting in an investment that you can draw from it doesn't have to be sitting under your mattress or in the bank mm -hmm. as long as you know I've got an access to six months money in between that's an inter happens. interest bearing account or some sort yeah, of investment yeah, yeah. I, I asked that because the, one of the questions here is is it a good idea for, for saving or paying off your debt uh, if you have debt and you want to build up a savings, what then is the calculation? Okay, so let me just go back to retirement. At retirement, you need savings and you need a home paid for. So you have you can't have debt at retirement. But we're talking about to a lot of younger people. So the question is, can you do better on savings than you can by paying off your bond? So you get a bond of 10, 10.5%. Can you do better than that? Remember, any savings you make, yes, you do get these... It depending if it's growth savings, you'll pay capital gains tax, and if it's interest for a younger person under tw over twenty two thousand eight hundred rands worth of interest, you'll pay tax. So you, you've got to have a look at what your net return is on that savings. But I can say at this point in time, if you're gonna if you if you've got a choice between putting money into your bond or putting money into a savings account, as long as you put it into your bond, you can get it out. I mean, I spoke to someone the other day who wanted to borrow from the bond. They've had their access bond cancelled. 
So by putting money into the bond, it doesn't give them a liquidity. But if you've got an access bond and you can put it in, check with your bank mm. that I can draw it out if I need it. Well, it's equivalent to a 10.75% return. On the long term, I've done calculations. If you put money away for 20 years now and you don't put it into a bond, I think that 20-year investment in growth sure. assets will do better. But in the short term, there's no doubt about it. Putting money in a savings account or putting money into your bond, put it into your bond. I, I ask this because I, I, I'm, I can imagine it to be a calculation of interest, right? Interest rate. If I go to African Bank and uh, open a savings uh, uh, interest rates bearing account of 12.5%, that's sort of what they offer right now. This is not an advertisement for African Bank. They're just the bank I know who offers the highest return right now. Versus having a loan that I need to service that um, is at prime, which is what, 10.75. I'm making more money saving um, than paying off my debt, it seems that calculation would be. Is that a correct calculation? No, it's not a correct calculation at all. Because African Bank and all the other banks, they're not the only bank, are offering rates of 12.75 to 13% simple interest. Oh, not compound. Not compound. So that means if you invest 100,000 Rand for five years, every year at 12.5%, you'll get 12,500 Rand. If you, and that, and that gets added up, and at the end of the five years, they pay you 162,500 Rand. Compound is where interest adds interest and interest. So I can tell you a rate of 12, 12%, 12.5% is equivalent to a compound rate of below 10 it's around ah, about nine, nine and a half percent. Okay. So, and, and, you know, whenever you see this, because NetBank advertised, and there's a little asterisk next to it, but no one ever, can ever read what that asterisk said. It's simple interest. Mm. So you need to have a look at it. And then you need to have a look at, I'm going to earn interest. What is my tax rate? Mm. How much interest am I going to earn? Because I get that first under 65, 22,800 free of interest. In other words, if you earn 22,800 rands of interest, you don't pay tax. Mm. Anything mm. above that gets added to your taxable income. And if your tax rate is 30 your tax rate is 30 percent and you're paying 30 percent of the interest you've got to deduct that compared to your bond so you've got to do those calculations i can tell you i've done those calculations and the answer simply is if you're going to be saving money because uh, as compared to putting into your bond if you're saving to spend it, it's a different story because right. you may not get it out of your bond. But if you're doing the direct comparison pay my bond or get interest and you're in a higher earner Put it into your bond. Yeah. Here's a one uh, question. My mom and dad contributed to life cover for 20 years, and they are now about to stop their policies, and there is no cash value. Why is this? Okay, so let me explain to you. Going back many years, and when I first entered the industry, we won't mention the year, but it was in the, <laughs> it was in the 60s, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Clark, Heart Club's Band, and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and everything. <laughs> okay, that's a clue. But anyway, very simply, policies, you paid a premium, and your premium had two components to it. One was the cost of life cover, and the other is savings. That's changed now. When people buy life insurance now, they buy cover with no savings. Like your motor insurance, like your householders, house owners insurance. You don't get a benefit. If you don't have a fire, if you don't have an accident, the, the premium is lost. And you, and it's, it's, it's giving you that security. So what I'm saying to you is if you're buying policies today purely providing the protection, nothing else. You're not building up any investment returns for two reasons. One, when you buy a policy with investment returns, commission is payable on the whole policy. So if I buy a life policy for 100 rand and I put 100 rand away in savings, I'm only going to pay commission on the 100 rand, not the 200 rand. So that's the first reason. And the second reason is because premiums are escalating, 
they're escalating on the life cover. So you don't really want investment. So in this particular case, and many cases, I get this every week, someone phoning me to say, how can I stop my policy, my bond policy, and there's no money. So very simply, yeah. that's why people are buying cover for premium for a particular amount to cover with no cash values. Yeah. Let's take a quick break over there. Give us a call. 086-000-2032. It's a minute and a half after, t- uh, mid, uh, after the mid-hour. And Musa has your headlines. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance. Give us a call. 86 I do want us to take a few calls, Brian. Uh, we'll go to the lines. Let's speak to Sibusisa in Eshowe. Sibusisa, good morning. How are you? Fantastic, sir. Go ahead. What's your comment? What's your question? Yeah, uh, my question, Brian, is uh, I'm a 50-year-old uh, somebody and I was working for one of the departments and I, I, I became ill uh, I got a glaucoma and I became blind. And then I applied for ill health retirement, which they used to call medical boarding. And they approved my medical boarding. And when I went to my HR officers and asked the terms and conditions of my medical boarding, they said I will only get a once-off which means to say I will not be getting paid monthly. Uh, as a person living with blindness and some other uh, chronic diseases, uh, I will forfeit my medical aid benefit. I will also forfeit my life covers, and I will also forfeit my funeral covers because uh, I have less than 10 years service in my new department. So I wish Brian Hess to give me an advice on that. Thank you. Yeah. Sibu Sisu, uh, I don't understand because normally when a disability claim is admitted, and in your particular case, and I'm really sorry to hear about your ailment and my thought, our thoughts go out to you. I mean, w- what a situation to be in. But normally, let me be more clinical, normally disability comes in two components. One is an income disability where you get monthly, and the other is a capital disability. What you're saying to me is they're going to pay you a capital disability, which is certainly a lot more, am I right, than just one month payment. I mean, the capital disability that's calculated must be calculated at least on two to three years' salary. I mean, you talk about being age 60. How big is this capital disability they're talking about? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm only 50 years. Five oh, 50, zero. not 60. No, I'm, I'm five zero. So, yes. So normally, uh, a medical boarding means that the insurer takes on the responsibility to pay your ongoing salary. They may pay it in a lump sum or monthly, but then your pension and everything else continues as if you were employed. And then when you reach retirement, the medical disability, which is if it was in- monthly income, it would stop the fact that you've been paid out. So it sounds strange. Do you know when the department says, is this the, the government pension fund? Yes, it's GPF. Okay. GPF, yes. Mm. to get hold of GPF. Look, I'm going I'm to get, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask our, our producer just to take you back, and I will phone you off air. 
my difficulty is been is being able to speak to anyone at GEPF, and and I I come with a bit of muscle because I say I'm phoning. I've had a call on SAFM or I've had a call on TV, and I want the information. But to get hold of anyone to explain it, I'll I, I'll give you a call. If we just take you back, get your phone number. I want to see what correspondence you've got and see how I can help you because you certainly need help. You can't just accept what what you've been told. You should be retaining your benefits. Your pension contributions should be. Con- Continue because now at 50, compared to as you say, retiring at 60 or 65, you're going to have a quarter of what you would have had then. So we'll take you back and I'll give you a call. You know what they say? They say if you uh, don't have 10 years service, if you have below 10 years service, you, you, you don't qualify for all that. You must have 10 years service, or else you must buy the, the, what you call the service up to 10 years. How much service have you had? Uh, if there, uh, actually, l- let me say, I, was, I resigned from the uh, Department of Basic Education and get into the Department of Higher Education and Training. By that time, I, I, I was at the Tivet College. The Tivet College was under the council. So we migrated to Department of Higher Education and Training. Okay. So... That period between council and migrating to uh, higher education and training is not uh, calculated as a service. Sibisu, I'm going to get, we're going to take you back now, and we it, it's it, you know we need to take more calls. When this this is very personal, so I will give you a call after the show, and I'll tell you what I need from you to see whether I'm able to help you. I can tell you, I've been able to help many people when it comes to pension and retirement funds, but when it comes to the government employee pension fund, I get no service. There's no one to speak to. It's an absolute nightmare, and in most instances, I've failed. But I'll mm-hmm. do my best. Yeah, thank you so much for your call, Sibusis. I really, really do appreciate it. Andrew and Vitbank, I'm going to come to you shortly and do give us a call, 86 Let's take a quick break on the other side of this. We continue. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Give us that call, 86 um, and and we can uh, take some of your questions. Uh, on on the show this morning. Uh, before I go to Andrew and Vitbank, Brian, I want to bring up one of these uh, questions. You did in part answer it, right? But the budget speech is about four weeks away from now, a little less than four weeks, three and a half weeks away from now. It's going to be an important budget speech for this particular answer. Does the legislature allow me to borrow on my retirement funds? Well, you can always borrow on your retirement funds that always have been if it's to fund property, and you can do it one or two ways. Some some funds have registered loan schemes where they re, you register a loan against your withdrawal benefit. Others have a relationship with banks where they give an undertaking to the bank. If the bank gives you a loan and you ever leave, they will pay your withdrawal benefit across. But the legislation about now borrowing on your pension funds, it's very watered down to what had happened. I'm not going to spend too much time. Yeah. Other than to say, we should hear more in the budget, but it's not going to happen before the 1st of March 2024. Don't expect it to happen, and it's going to be very watered down. We don't know yet whether you're going to be able to borrow on past contributions made and what the value of your fund is. So say someone has got a fund of 500000 We haven't heard yet whether you'll be able to borrow anything on that, but going forward, any future contributions will go into what they call two pots. There'll be a retirement pot of 
maybe again, we don't know the exact percentages, but let's say two-thirds into the retirement pot, you will not be able to borrow on. The other one-third will go into a pot for retirement, but you will be able to borrow on, minimum of 2,000 rand a year, but it's only on future contributions, which again is very meaningless. Minimum of 2,000 rand, is that the recommendation? No, you, well, th- they say there's 2,000 rand, you've got to borrow a minimum of 2,000. You can't be borrowing 500 or 1,000. It's, right, it, it's very right, watered right, down. Right, right. Uh, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a hot potato simply because the more you draw, borrow out of your pension fund, the less you're going to have at retirement. The government's going to have to look after you. But there's a big need to be able to borrow. I understand that. So we'll have to wait for new news. And as soon as I've got news, I will report further. I get this question yeah. nearly every single day. When can I start borrowing on my retirement fund? The answer yeah. is at the moment, no. We should have an answer to that uh but we haven't answered, you know, the insurance company got to change all the rules. And yeah. There's a lot to be done. And that's why they said 1st of March 24. Mm-hmm. Andrew, out in Vidbank, uh, good morning. Yes, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. Brian, uh, I, I just want to, uh, I've got a question and uh, I'm seeking some advice from Brian. One, uh, I am a 44-year-old man, three children, one wife. So my problem is I've been trying to save, like really. I use banks, I use uh, what you call saving things. But my problem is my wife, she keeps taking that money, using it, and then we are fighting about that. So I just want to know from Brian, is there any way I can stop her or is there any way I can use private to save? Because I'm worried, I'm getting old. And then my question is... <laughs> My question is, is there any difference between UIF and pension fund? Okay. Let me, let me answer the first question. The talking about your wife being able to get her access to your funds. Obviously, you've given her permission. She can't just take money out of your fund. No one can take out of money out of anyone else's funds unless money goes into their account. So if you have a joint account, there's no way you can stop her taking money. If you're at 44, let's talk about savings. There's savings for short term, which is what I call real savings, getting a bit of interest that I'm going to use in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months. There's long-term savings saving, which is retirement. If you contribute to a retirement annuity at age 44 and put money into a retirement annuity, you cannot draw from that retirement annuity at this stage until age 55, minimum. So if you put money into a retirement annuity, you, if you, are you earning a salary, Andrew? Okay, if you put money into retirement and you get a tax deduction, no one will be able to touch your retirement annuity. You can't borrow on a retirement annuity. But when you talk about savings, does your wife have have signing of powers on your account? Yes. Off. Well, look, yeah. look. I, I don't know the dynamics of the, of the marriage, but I can tell you, take her. Don't <laughs> let her have signing powers on your account any longer. Take take her off. But you, you, but in your in bank accounts and savings account, that's not the way to save for the long term. The way to save for the long term is to get growth. You're not looking for interest rates with up and down. Uh, you want to get. You want to be in a more balanced portfolio that has got a bit of equity, property, and other instruments providing you with longer term growth to give you a bit inflation. I'm saying for you, one, if you buy a tax-free savings account before the end of February, you're allowed 36,000 rand a year, 
or if you can't, you start next month in March, so that by next February you've made 12 months contributions. You put it in your name, you don't give any signing powers, no institution will be able to pay, even though you may be married in community or property, no one can draw on your money, you'll have to get, they'll have to get permission from you, and you just won't grant the permission. You've got to be, take your power back, you've got to be a bit more, bit, bit more uh, uh, permanent. And then you asked about UIF, UIF is unemployment, pension is when you reach retirement. So unemployment, we all contribute, employers have to contribute. If you're unemployed, then you have a right to go to UIF and and, and get some unemployment payment, uh, but it's got nothing to do with pension. I also think that prior to pension, there's also some payment from UIF, but depending on your circumstances. But it's very, very different. UIF is what we contribute to in case we're unemployed, and I think there's a payment of somewhere between six to eight months. I'm not sure the exact amount. Pension is money you've saved that you're going to get at retirement. You're going to take a pension. They're going to pay that to you for the rest of your life. There are different options you have at retirement. You can have a joint pension, husband and wife, not not for this particular question. Yeah. Oh, Andrew, is that okay. helpful? Yeah, it is. It is. Bye, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Let's go to Pulukwane. Kwena, good morning. Hi, Oliver. How are you? I'm fantastic, sir. I'm okay, my brother. Uh, I'm asking for Brian's assist, uh, advice. It's for my auntie. My auntie retired and she got her money. The money that was supposed to generate this monthly income, which is, I think, is two-thirds was about 465,000 and take home was 500 and something. So there was an advisor in local bank, which I don't know if I can mention, but she advised my auntie to put extra 150,000 on top of 465 to make it 650. But now my auntie has worked at home. I don't know how they speak or how they agreed. Now my auntie wants access, to have access to that 150,000. The lady says, no, that money is untouchable. It will get out or it will be paid out and after you die, you die or after you pass away. So I went to her, we sit down, we didn't agree. We even meet her manager. Then the branch manager, we sit down, she said, no, I'm going to take this thing up with uh, our complaint department. So we're still waiting for them because they say it takes six weeks. So I even sent a Brian Hirsch email, but I didn't manage to listen the previous week version of this program. Mm. Now, I just want to know from Brian, is that 150 accessible? Is it reversible? Because we have uh, uh, evidence of 465,000 aside and 150 aside. So, But the lady managed to put that money at once, maybe like under one account to make it 615. So the problem is now my aunt is struggling at home. There is a money. Uh, the lady is not really helping. So I just want to hear if friend maybe can assist. Okay, so let me, how long ago did this happen? No, it's 2021. Okay, so it's already in, in place. Look, very simply, what happened is money was taken out of a possibility of uh, the reason she was drawing money, but there could have been some tax implications, and that's why the financial advisor. Let me say this to you. I can't mm. comment because I haven't seen any record of advice from the financial advisor. 
But you may, the problem is you may have a claim against the financial advisor through the phase ombud if she's given the wrong advice. However, yeah. I can tell you that's the financial advisor. In terms of the two-thirds buying an annuity, there is no way you can get capital out of that amount. That is yeah. fixed now, and the two-thirds is governed by the pensions legislation. And once the two-thirds is buying a pension, the only time you can get that pension out is in the event of death. Mm. Uh, it sounds like it's in a living annuity. She's, is she getting a fixed amount every month or does it depend on the performance of the portfolio? No, it's a fixed amount every month. Oh, so she's now, it's, now it's been fixed. So she's getting a fixed amount for the rest of her life. Yes, but now what we want to check with is that the, the, the truth that we, we, we understand, that one is untouchable. But this 150, to my understanding, she was supposed to put it in a, in a different portfolio where she will have an access okay. in the meantime. That's yes. the point I'm making. You may, if it hasn't been put in a separate account and there's record of advice indicating, then you've got a claim. But, if, you know, you need to look at that record of advice to see exactly what was happening to that 150. But let me be simple. If the 150 has been added to the 465, you, there's no way you can draw. Once you get in receipt of a pension and you've bought a pension, you cannot do absolutely nothing. Even if you emigrate, you leave South yeah. Africa, you can get money out. You cannot get it out of your living annuity unless it's below a certain amount of money. And this is far more than that, that limit amount. All you've got to do is see what the record Court of Advices and how that 150000 was dealt with. It's a separate issue to what the insurance company are going to give you. You need to see that record of advice. Yeah. Oh, Quena, no. I hope that's useful. No. Thank you so much. No, no. Man. Thank you very much. Thank really, really much. do appreciate it. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we continue the program. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Morning, Brian. Morning, Oliver. This is Puling Puli from Bloemfontein. Brian, I would like to know, would you advise that one can resign from their current employer, having a service of about 16 years, in trying to actually access their pension fund, you know, seeing the current economic conditions that we find ourselves in, we just find ourselves living just above the poverty line. So my question is, would you advise that one can just actually resign in trying to access their pensions of about 16 years as seeing that this particular person already has a contribution that they are making into their retirement annuity with another trusted you know financial institution and the contribution of the retirement annuity is of 9.6 percent of their salary as you had advised that it should be 15 percent thank you puling puli whether you're going to resign or not is will you will you obtain um, employment again. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. You can go will, ahead. Will right? you? Will you? Will you? Will you be able? I mean, you know, you cannot access any retirement fund at this point in time unless you resign, or you die, uh, or there's retrenchment, or you, re, or you actually reach retirement. So retiring to access your retirement fund doesn't mean. Will I mean? Are you saying the employer will continue to will reemploy me? Uh, then that's in breach of the pension fund rule because the rule says people can't be reemployed if they've just retired, resigned for act to access their retirement as everyone would be doing that. So my question is not about whether it's a good idea or not. It's not a good retirement idea if you're short of money. You said you're living above the breadline. Maybe you've got to think about stopping your retirement annuity where you're putting nine thousand six hundred in, and maybe that's got to be a way 
and, and of reducing your monthly expenses or your annual expenses. But certainly to resign, it's an option. It's not a viable option. I don't like it at all because on resignation, there's a lot of tax to pay on your retirement fund. You talk about 16 years of service, which means there's a, a substantial amount. You could end up paying tax of anything between 18 to 25 percent, and you've lost that. And now, how will you get a job? So I'm not sure. Are you still with me? No, no, that, that was a voice note. Oh, voice note. So you've got to think very, very carefully, find out the numbers, what the value is, what tax you're going to pay, and then if you're in the market and you're a very um, uh, um, um, someone that's in demand and you can get another job, you're 16 years on, which means you're going to suffer at retirement, but you, it may be a need. But certainly don't, don't, don't resign if you, can't, if you can't find a job thereafter. Morning, Oliver. Dion from the Western Cape. Can you please ask Brian? Um, I do have an excess bond where I contribute more money uh, into my bond. And then I do have uh, my normal pension at work and I have additional pension at work. Uh, must I continue with the excess bond or must I pay that money over as well to my pension or must I keep it like that? The no. excess bond on the one side and the additional pension on the other side. Thank well, you. Well, you've got all three. You're putting money into access. Just, Sorry, just, just can I just pause there and perhaps ask a more f- foundational question to that? How does an excess bond work? Okay, it's where you get a bond and you fund that bond more than you should have, and that do you, you arrange with you, your bank or yes, you just spontaneously? No, originally do it? when you take the bond, let's say you take a million, and let's say they they tell you that on that million you've got to pay twelve thousand rand a month, right? And you pay twenty thousand rand a month, so you're paying eight thousand rand more, Extra, yeah. And so your million rand is coming down; it's now eight hundred thousand rand. So now you the, the the money you're paying, the interest is you're paying far more on a loan of 800,000 so your bond is coming down a lot quicker and you could finish your bond in Do you 12- do it as and when you can afford or, yeah. or and, and that's to say can you do it spontaneously or do you have to ask the bank to make such a facility okay. available? I, no, you get the access bond at time of granting a bond. So the access bond says you can. We'll give you a million, but if you want to put a hundred thousand into it, you can. But you've got to be able to access that that million. You've got to always check that you're able to access it because because oh, with the National Credit Act okay. today, people who've had an access bond and suddenly find themselves unemployed or something, the bank may ask them questions and say, "No, we can't give you that access access to those funds." So what this caller is saying, I've got pension, I've got additional pension, and so he's done those calculations. And I'm putting money into an access bond. I like all three simply because you ha- you've got to get a home paid for. You can't yeah. only have investment. So what he's doing is absolutely correct. But he needs to make sure that there's a separate calculation of how much extra you've paid in. So if you ever need that money for an emergency or any other investment, right. you can draw the, the money out. So. It, if you want to buy a home, Oliver, make sure that you go for an access bond. So if you want to f- feed money into your bond and house it purely to reduce the rate and get that bond paid off quicker, but still have access to it, that's where that's where the word access bond comes from. Hello, Oliver. Speaking to Unati in Kimberley. I want to find a, uh, I'll go ask a question from our guest, Brian. My mom passed away last year in April. <clears throat> in april and left me with five hundred thousand uh, but at the moment i don't need that money because i'm still compact and i'm still finishing my degree in school and everything is covered so i don't need that money. so i'd like to find out from your guest what can i do for the money for the past because i won't be needing the money for the next four years 
So let's find out from the guests what can I do. The, the person that I asked told me to invest in housing and renting houses here in in East London. So I'll find out from the guests what, what can I do with the money. Okay, I don't like the idea of investing in housing. It's not necessary. You've only got 500,000 rand. I'm sorry to hear about your mom, but you did mention you're still a student. Now, students have different time horizons. I find yeah. sometimes student tells me they've got a horizon of time horizon of five to ten years, and, they, and one year later they want their money. So your time horizon depends very much on your investment strategy. I would certainly take some of that money and say, that's ten-year money. I'm not going to touch it for the next ten years. I'm going to take 100 or 200,000. I'm going invested in a growth asset and the various growth assets that you need to talk to a financial advisor then you can have a hundred or hundred and fifty thousand in something like a money market which is if you need it in the next two years and then you can have something a little bit more balanced for the next three to four years so there's a there's a combination of how that five hundred thousand should be divided we've got longer term money for the next ten years which means you're going to be looking at growth assets shorter money look at high interest rates and then look at a balanced portfolio with the balanced difference between the 500,000. I'm sorry because we're running out of town. Yeah. That's why I'm talking a lot quicker. My wife always knows when the program's coming to an end <laughs> when she's listening to me. She says, because I'm like a train. <laughs> Brian, thanks a lot, man. Uh, back with you next week. Yeah, take care. Uh, good to see you. You're healthy. Yeah, Last yeah. week you weren't well. Yeah. Um, I, had the, I had the after effects of COVID. I, really? I was fine after COVID. And then all of a sudden, last week, no energy, couldn't get out of bed, but Jeez, uh, yeah. and I couldn't sleep. Well rested? Yeah, well rested, well rested. Yeah, That's important. Thank Super. you so much. Cheers, uh, Brian's back with us next week. Do keep those com- uh, questions coming in. Again, if you want to send Brian a question, if you want to uh, you know, procure his services for your own particular case, you can contact him at? 011-880-4888. I need all your names, Repeat phone numbers. Number. Zero one one double eight zero four triple eight. Please, wherever I can call you, whatever region you're phoning from, because I will return your call. But if you say in Bloemfontein and you don't answer the phone, I will pass your name on to someone in Bloemfontein. I won't get back to you again. Thanks, Oliver. Thanks a lot. Eleven o'clock. Let's take your news with Anne Musa.